0: Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did.
1: Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. We are in our series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, exploring the themes and modern-day connections of the Heidelberg Catechism. What's up, everybody? My name is Scotty Hines, and alongside of me is my friend and pastor, Jeff Luddison, lead pastor at Generations Church. What up, Jeff? You had me think about lead from last week, so I, I made sure I I <laughs> I made sure I took the exclamation mark off. <laughs> and
0: the lead passed. Yeah, man. Yeah. Hey, good morning. Come
1: on down. It's like we're in a game right. show. Wait,
0: Man, I feel like a game show participant. All right. So uh, <laughs> I'll tell you something. I was laughing, too, as you started, because uh, when we go live, we hit record. So we're not recording in uh, the studio at the church or anything anymore. We're recording via Zoom, right? You're at home. I'm at home. We're still in these crazy lockdown orders, right? Yeah, and so um, I set a little a little stopwatch, and I count you in. And what everybody can't see is, I can't count backwards on my fingers. Like I started with five, four, and then all of a sudden, like I went, I don't know, my hand just didn't work right. And so I feel to go back up very, I don't know, man. I feel very uncoordinated this morning. And so I'm glad we are talking about the Bible, something I'm better at than clearly counting with my fingers. So
1: well, at least um, you didn't just leave one finger up.
0: Oh, and, and if I had. Which finger I I would have chosen for you? We will never know. All right, man. I'm
1: sure you would have just pointed me out. That's it. You would have just pointed me out. Anyhow, go ahead, brother. Oh, my
0: gosh. All right. It is episode 34, man. For us Heidelberg Catechism students, this is Lord's Day 34. If you're just joining us today, if this is the first episode you've ever heard, we are in a – we're doing a series through the Heidelberg Catechism. As Pastor Scott said earlier, we're focusing on – the modern day themes and connections to an ancient way of training Christians. When I say ancient has been done for, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of years, this particular catechism, this particular way of learning is 450 years old. And it is a way of learning truth by memorizing questions and answers. And so we are doing that. And we're just recognizing that 450 years ago, pretty much humanity was the same as it relates to God. Very, very similar. You know, the things we deal with today uh, are not brand new. In fact, we're in the middle of a pandemic, but the church has seen historically lots of this. Man, tuberculosis in the last century, you know, Spanish flu even before that in the last century, all the way back to the plague during the Reformation or, you know, near the Reformation. So the church has always dealt with certain things, and we have responses that are built into us. Sinful human beings are going to have flaws that are going to be common throughout time. We have common struggles, we also have uh, a God in common. God has not changed. And so right. we, we really have a lot to learn from those who have come before us. And yeah. I'm probably something, you and I are both Gen Xers, uh, as far as generations go, millennials after us, Gen Z coming up next. We're probably the worst generations at recognizing how much we can learn from the people that have come before us. And so I think it takes humility. I think it takes learning. I think it takes opening ourselves up to that. But we're doing that in the Heidelberg catechism. Today is a a unique day as we are, you know, into the gratitude section which really means uh guilt was about our need for a savior, our sin, right? Grace, how Jesus came and reconciled us to God, and then gratitude, how we live that out. And so today has, I think it's again four questions and uh, it is four questions. Uh yeah. and the first one is going to ask us what is God's law? Now typically I ask the question, and you give the <clears throat> the catechism the memorized answer, right? But yeah. today, when I ask what is God's law, I definitely have the easy job because I have four words, and then I can't even count the words in your answer. And so suffice to say, <laughs> if you are listening today, the answer to that is the Ten Commandments. So what is God's yeah. law? And then Pastor Scott, if we had more time, would read out all the Ten Commandments. But Scott, you had a good idea for people about pushing pause and reading it. Would you just kind of ask people what you were saying earlier? Would you would you make that suggestion to them?
1: Yeah, I think this would be a good time. As Pastor Jeff and I are, we're going to focus on the the first uh, law, first commandment. And uh, but I think it'd be really good if if you who are listening, just if you can um, take take just take a minute, maybe five. It's Exodus chapter twenty. You're going to read about seventeen verses, and just read the ten commandments, and then rejoin us and let's go over the first one. I think that'd be the best way. Um, if I just read them over and over and over, you get lost. Your mind will drift. It's a lot of words to hear. So I'd encourage you to take a few minutes, read them all, and then rejoin us. And if not, continue through this podcast and then go home when you can, carve out some time and read it. Again, Exodus chapter 20, it's got them all laid out.
0: Yeah, now if you're listening to us right now while you're driving in the car, I think our insurance requires us to tell you not to read while you're, re- while you're driving. Wow. So please, please <laughs> don't do that. For the rest of you, push pause now. <laughs> oh you're supposed to be quiet and make everybody think we push pause and you laughed oh my gosh anyhow welcome back after you've pushed pause maybe i hope you did i hope you've read the 10 commandments i hope you know what those are the 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 uh, oh catechism i know i don't even know why they let us podcast all right so the question and answer 92 is what is god's law the answer is the 10 commandments 93 ask this question how are these commandments divided
1: into two tablets. The first four commandments teaching us how we ought to live in relation to God. The second has six commandments teaching us what we, what we owe our neighbors.
0: All right. It's tables and, uh, into two tables. And, uh, I know Scott, wow, you talk no, about,
1: you talk about, hold on. That is, that is legit. You talk about memorize <laughs> I know that right? word, that word. I had a triple look at it when you told me, it does say tables, but it, it's tablets, <laughs> two stone tablets. Like, wow. Anyhow,
0: okay, you know, man, in my brain right now, I've got history of the world, right? Where Moses comes down from the mountain with three tablets given to him by God. And then he says, I come to give you these three, these, whatever he says, these, yeah. three and one falls and breaks. He says, these two, these two tablets. The best, are
1: Oh, that is the best satire. I love that. Or oh, whatever oh you call gosh. that type of humor. But anyhow.
0: I don't I don't know if Jesus is even going to let us into heaven after that one. All right. So how are these commandments divided? And you rightly answered into two, right? The first has four commandments. The last has six. And there is an interesting separation. The first four is about honoring God in our life. And the last six are about honoring others in our life. And so, you know, have no other gods before me you know, remember the Sabbath, things like that. Those are things that honor God. The last one's like, honor your father and mother, right? Like, no matter who you are, honor your parents, right? Do not lie, do not commit murder, things like that, that relate to other people. Fast forward to the New Testament, and Jesus summarizes it by saying this. Somebody asks him, hey, what's the most important commandment? And he says, well, you know the commandments, you know, love God and love your neighbor, right? Love God, love your neighbors yourself. And so Really, that's what we get inside the Ten Commandments. If you fully love God, if you, if you give your life over to loving God, if you give your life to loving others more than yourself, really much of these commandments will come, I won't say naturally, but they will come clearly. They will, you know, make sense. They will uh, not necessarily be easy to live, but they will be there for you. Absolutely. The next question asks what we will focus on today, which is good since about eight minutes have already gone by. Question 94, what does the Lord require in the first commandment?
1: That I, not wanting to endanger my own salvation, avoid and shun all idolatry, sorcery, superstition, rites, and prayers to saints or other creatures. That I, Oh my God, I didn't see the second part. That I rightly know that only true God, <laughs> trust him alone and look to God for every good thing, humbly and patiently in love, fear, and honor God with all my heart, in short, that I give up everything rather than that I give up anything rather than go against God's will in any way.
0: Whew, that's an answer. Does that man, make right? sense?
1: Jeez, I feel like I mumbled a lot.
0: No, it, it I think it's good, man. Uh, good. we are going to uh, we're gonna make sense of this here in a minute, but um, after yeah. we I after I ask the next question. But um, I, I do wanna point out something. We're not gonna spend a whole lot of time on it, but it says, you know what does the lord require in the first commandment right which is the first commandment as if you had read this earlier or if we had read all the way through it the first commandment is i am the lord your god who brought you out of the land of egypt out of the house of slavery you shall have no other gods before me it's often shortened when you see it written down somewhere like we have these in the supreme court you shall have no other gods before me that's how it's typically shortened and written it's interesting that the expansion of this, your answer, talks about shunning all idolatry, sorcery, superstitious rites, and prayer to saints. Now, you got to understand this was written 450 years ago, right? Prayer to saints was one of the things they were pushing back against, right? So that is very contextual, and we're not going to cover everything today. That's one of the things we're not going to cover, but that is a very Protestant Reformation thing to say as they were pushing back against Roman Catholicism. The other one's super interesting, and it's relative today as well, is sorcery. Um, the Catechism often talks about things like people who pursue astrology, you know, you know, astronomy charts and and uh, astro- uh, astrology charts. Not astronomy. Sorry, that's different. Anyhow, astrology charts um, go to psychics or mediums to tell their future. You know, tarot cards, palm reading, all that kind of stuff. And the Catechism says clearly, and we need to hear this today. You don't look to anyone else for your needs, for your direction, for your guidance, for your future, for your past, whatever it might be, right? That we look only to God. Now, Now, I'm going to ask you the last question. Question 95. What is idolatry?
1: Idolatry is having or inventing something in which one trusts in place of of or alongside the only true God who has revealed himself in the word.
0: All right. So idolatry, uh, for us, modern day today, when we hear the word, we typically think of somebody who sets up an idol, right? In a common setting, man, somebody who sets up a little laughing Buddha in their house, right? And meditates in front of it or something, right? Now, when the Bible was written, it was much more common that people would actually have carved idols, wood, you know, uh, made out of gold or metals or, you know, carved out of wood. Um, In other parts of the country, that is still very, very present. Not, I'm sorry, in other parts of the world, that is still very present and true. A little less true in America today, but idolatry is equally as rampant today as it ever has been. Today, modern day American idols are things like position, power, wealth, money, right? Family can be an idol. Even things that are good, God created the family, you know, But family can be an idol. God created sex. Sex can still be an idol, right? God created all kinds of things that we can turn into idols, food or whatever, right? So the list is endless. So a good, simple, modern-day definition is an idol is anything that you give yourself to or put in place of where only God should be, right? When I, in my own heart, make me the one in charge, I have become my own idol right? That's right. I've replaced Jesus as Lord in my life when I make my own decisions and go against God. That is idolatry.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's putting something before God for sure, man.
0: Absolutely. And so as we talk about this today, if I could ask you, if you're listening today, man, the simple thing to remember, an idol is anything you put in the place of God, right? Anything. That's why it pushes back against prayer to the saints that people would seek the saints to pray for them rather than knowing that they have direct access to God through Christ, right? Yeah. The, the, the reason it identifies sorcery, meaning like astrology and psychics, things like that, the reason it addresses that is because we don't need to seek something else for direction when we can seek God. That's right. It talks about other things, sins, right? Uh, In the, what we call the gospel-centered movement over the last 10, 15 years, where really the lens of the gospel is that the gospel is not something that invites you into relationship with Jesus alone and then stops. But the gospel is the very power of the, the, the day-to-day power that we live in. 1 Corinthians 15 says this. Now I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you. So there's your past tense. In which you received, right? And in which you stand. And by which you were being saved. So there's past, present, future, right? If you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you you believed in vain, he says. But I want you to hear this. The gospel I preached to you, which you received. There's your past tense version of the gospel, like when you came to faith. In which you stand, the gospel is the very power of Christ in us today. And by which you are being saved. There's an ongoing, called a perfect tense, or an ongoing perpetual version, right? The gospel is the very thing that gets me through today, and I know and have faith in will allow me to live for Christ tomorrow. That's right. the gospel. The opposite opposite of that is idolatry. And so um, when we have, and, and, and the, in the gospel-centered movement, which we would, in our church, would consider ourselves a gospel-centered church, what that really means is when we deal with sin, we deal with sin on the level of idolatry. Last week, you and I talked in the podcast about dying to self right? That there was that uh, true repentance, true genuine faith really means dying to self and giving life to the newness of us that exists in Christ. Well, that dying to self for us is really repenting of all idolatry. And so it's really kind of a simple thing here. first step is repenting of idolatry. It's asking yourself the sin that is revealed to you by God. Okay, if I am... Um, you know, sleeping with my girlfriend, which I'm a married man, that's not what I'm saying. I'm using a suggestion. If someone is sleeping (laughs) with their girlfriend, if someone is uh, addicted to drinking, if someone is um, uh, prideful, if someone is whatever, whatever their sin might be, is identifying the idolatry in it. Sexual sin, uh, real simple, it's it's gratification of the flesh, or it's um, pleasure, or, you know, those are the idols. Well, repenting of that idol means denying self-pleasure and embracing the pleasure, the di- desires, the peace, the joy, the gratification that comes from following Christ, right? Yeah. Anything else is false. The pleasure that comes from following Jesus is true. Now, I know they're not the same thing, but it is trusting that God has created us, um, you know, maybe to be married and enjoy sex only within the context of marriage, right? Absolutely. But we, we pursue pleasures in all kinds of ways, right? Maybe that's, spending too much, you know, and buying things for instant gratification. Maybe that is in food. Maybe we comfort ourselves with food. That's an idol, right? We should only find our comforts in Christ. And so idolatry, the first step is just repenting of idolatry. The second would be knowing the truth of Christ that defeats that, right? That my joy is found in Christ, that my satisfaction is found in God alone, that God has created sex for A purpose within the the confines of marriage, within the beauty of marriage. I don't want to sound like a negative, but that God has created things in a specific way. And idolatry means, no, we're going to do it our way. Following Jesus means we're going to trust him. We're going to know that his way is right. And so it's not only confessing idolatry, but it's proclaiming the gospel over us. That Jesus has been victorious, maybe where we are addicted. That Jesus is our satisfaction in Christ. We are satisfied. You know, what do you think about that, Pastor Scott?
1: I, I love it, man. I love what you're saying there. And I think too the law itself, the Ten Commandments can be a stumbling block. Remember when um, and I think it's great, even points to what we talked about earlier with the two tables slash tablets. Um is <laughs> is uh the rich young ruler, he comes to Jesus, and what it's beautiful. Jesus tells him, and, and a lot of people miss this, um, but he tells him um something about the law. I forgive me, this just came to my mind right now. Uh but he, Jesus literally lists the last six commandments, and the rich young ruler says, all these I've kept for my youth. So now he's looked at those works, and he says, this I've kept for my youth, and Jesus says, but you lack one thing. Go sell all your possessions, and give them to the poor, and follow me, and what he, what he was talking about is yes. Didn't even challenge him. Yeah, you have kept all six, but you've forsaken the first four. Money, fame, and, and whatever it is you're chasing has become your idol. You need to get rid of that, and now get right with, mean he brings them in and jesus uses those that that divide right off the bat and um it shows you too that that just because you're practicing the law doesn't mean you're actually honoring god through it and um but god wants all the glory you also see it in the in the book of abraham right so so when you have god as your 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 prime uh prime worship you know that's who you worship you don't got idols or you're minimizing think of abraham abraham was really wealthy we just talked about this it's okay to be wealthy in the lord um Uh, we touched on it. We didn't really talk about it, but Abraham goes to war. He rescues Lot. Um, And if you know the story, it's somewhere around in Genesis, I believe 23. I could be wrong, forgive me, but it's in that middle portion of Abraham's life. And the king goes, I want to give you all this spoil. And he goes, no, keep it all. Because when God blesses me, I don't want the world to have any glory. I'm summarizing. He says, only God's going to get the glory for what I do or what's going on in my life. And um, you see him not even like you see him seeing the world try to seep in and he's like, nope, that's going to take away from God's glory. And he rejected mm-hmm. a lot of money. If you read the passage, there was a lot of spoil he rejected. And um, a lot of gold you know, on goes, that
0: table being left behind, huh?
1: Yeah, but he wanted nobody to even touch God's glory. And um, so that's kind of what I was thinking, man, as you were going, it's going good. on through that. I also, it's good. I also was thinking, too, about the Sabbath, but, but I can get to that in a minute. Go ahead.
0: Ooh, can't do Sabbath, man. We got three more days. Two more days. <laughs> two more, two more episodes so we get to the Sabbath. Let's do this, man. Uh <clears throat> the there's that story that you mentioned um, about the rich young ruler, as it's often called, yeah. Uh, yeah. is is told in a couple of gospels. Um, Mark 10 uh, says it this way. And he was sitting out setting out on his journey, and a man walked up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inter- inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. There's a whole Christological thing we to unpack right there. That's amazing. But he says, you know that Jesus says to the man, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother, right? So he oh. does list commandments, all talking about the neighbor, right? As we talked about the two tables, he's in the table of how we love our neighbor. It says, and he said to him, teacher, all these I've kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And said to him, you lack one thing, go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Now, of course, we know the end. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Jesus says something amazing. He says something as you identified. He deals with both tables of the law, if you will, the ones that has to do with God and the one that has to do with people. He says, go and sell all that you have. Right. And give to the poor. Go get rid of what you have. Trust in God. Mm. Give all that to the poor, right? So there's a, will you sacrifice your idol, your possessions? And we know the answer. He leaves bombed because he's a rich man. He leaves bombed, right? He doesn't want to give that up. That, That betrays his heart. That shows that inside of his heart, his possessions are an idol. So now he has an issue with the first commandment. Have no other gods before me, right? Anytime we're unwilling to give something up for God. Now, notice what Jesus didn't do. Hey, go sell everything you have and give it to my church. That's not what Jesus said, right? He said, go give it to the poor. Go sell everything you have. Jesus is checking his heart. Jesus is not getting rich off it, right? And that's just a challenge. As pastors, yes, our church has supported the things that we do from giving, from offering, from people. This is not to extort people to tell them to get rid of their possessions. Jesus says this, go sell all you have and give it to the poor, right? Jesus isn't asking for the money. He's saying, listen, I'm checking your heart. Do you care more about God and do you care more about others than you do about what you have? Well, this man fails that test, if you will, and it betrays his idolatry. Now, if I'm that young man, here's what should happen. Here's what could have happened or, you know, in a, in a repentance of idolatry, gospel-centered kind of approach, he would confess, hey, listen, my possessions are not my own. They're God's. I will get rid of them if I have to. I will do this. I will do this. My money doesn't matter more than God. God matters more. So I'm going to repent of that idolatry of wealth, possession. Maybe that gave him pride. Maybe that, like you said, could be his rock star status somewhere else. I mean, we don't know who he is, so we don't have that. But yeah. whatever it is that he's clinging to, sometimes money gives you power. Maybe that's the idol. Sometimes money gives you friends. Maybe that's being liked as the idol. Maybe sometimes money gives you prestige, whatever it might be. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just the money, right? And then go sell to the poor. God, you know what? I care about the people you care about more than I care about myself. I'm going to repent of this. My treasure is found in Christ. My, My worth, my value, my importance, my joy, my pleasure, all that is found in Christ. Jesus has had Uh, is the king of kings, is the lord of lords, right? He is worth more than all my money, right? It's a repentance of idolatry, a pressing into the gospel. And in that is where we find that we remove those things that are in the way on the little throne in our hearts, and Jesus ascends back to that throne. That's where we need to find ourselves. When we talk about having no other gods, it doesn't have to be a little laughing Buddha in the corner when we light an incense and meditate, right? Right? This is about the day by day things that we give ourselves to. Check your wallet, you know your checkbook, uh, you know your spending, right? And checkbook kind of a dated way of saying it, but check your check the way you spend your money, check the way you spend your time, check the things. Then that'll show you what's important to you. And if those things you're unwilling to give up for for God, you may have an idolatry problem, right? Like those uh, blue collar criminal, you know, blue collar comedy guys, right? Here's your sign. Like, you may be a redneck. You might be an idolater if this is true, right?
1: You're right, brother. And all those marks are there for us. And this is why God given us his word. It's given us his examples. Everything written in the scriptures is for our learning. And so we could be blessed and look back and say, man, Lord, where am I rich? And where am I disobeying? disobeying? Anyhow, thank you so much for listening to another uh, Generation Church podcast. We release an episode every Tuesday of our guilt, grace, and gratitude. And occasionally on Thursdays, we release special episodes. If you've been blessed by this, being encouraged, please give us a like, give us a share, and most of all, we'd love to hear from you, write a review, and we'd appreciate it. Take care, and God bless.
0: For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church, G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at genfamilychurch.